Why don't you get up out of that chair and make me? I can't get out of this chair. It's not my time. Plus, my legs are asleep. You're so weird, Thanos. Infinity War. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Heck yeah. I'm your host, David the Zader, and with me, of course, is... Nick Share Mooks Sniss. Sniss? I don't know. It, always, it comes out different every time. Every time. <laughs> oh, man. What are we going to do with you? Maybe that guy wasn't too far off. Maybe I do have a problem with my last name. Yeah, apparently. But for, no, I, for I, different reasons. I always like his... My, my dad, who, whose first name is Zygmus, mm-hmm. you know, greatest first name in the history of first names. It's pretty good. You know, um, we were at a, in line at Fuddruckers today, and you know, I I always make it. Oh my gosh, big... Fuddruckers still exists there. Yeah, well, it, there's one built into the complex that also has the IMAX theater where we saw. Oh uh, yeah, those two uh, were Interstellar. So yeah, you know, movie and burgers. Um, but I was a couple of people behind him, but I overheard him like talking, like talking up his name to like the, the <laughs> whatever the, the woman behind the counter, and I was just like, oh, that's the usually my job. The burger slave. The, the burger slave, yeah. Because I'm always like, oh yeah, my dad. Like, it's like, I feel like I'm a cooler person simply because my dad has the coolest name. Like, that's the only thing I have going for me is my dad's first name. So it was just kind of <laughs> funny because he's usually really modest about it, but he's just like, oh, like I bet you haven't seen that name before. Like when she asked him for his name for the order. Yeah, it was good. It made my day. But anyway, other really, things made really my day. That made your day. Well, okay. First off, I have a lot of very sad days. And <laughs> okay, this is getting too real. I'm moving us on. I'm moving but us I, on. But, but, but I have other things that made my day, including the comic books I've read. Well, before we get on to the comic books, I actually have some big news regarding comic books. And <gasps> so today I went into my shop and the guy handed me the stuff out of my folder, you know, my sub list. And I was looking through this pile and I saw here's Deadly Class number nine. I took it out and I handed it back to him and I said, No more, sir. No more. <laughs> I, I mean, not in those exact words, but I wish it was in the exact words. Yeah. No. So I caught up last night on uh, on Deadly Class, and it just I was really on the fence, and I'm still on the fence. And if I'm still on the fence, then I feel like what's the point of me continuing with it? Mm-hmm. The main character is just so frustrating to me. I he's not sympathetic at all. I don't like him at all. Like it's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, there we go. We we talked about it a long time ago if I was going to stay on it or not, and I'm not. And, and like I mentioned to you, come back in a couple of years, you know, yeah. when it's all said and done or collected or whatever, and, and maybe the complete story will have a different reaction. And if not, right. then it still wasn't your thing. I mean, maybe maybe this will read a lot better in trade. Like maybe this is the story about how the main character becomes, you know, this complete complex human being who I connect with. But right now, it's just been really slow going on that front for eight issues, if that's what's going to happen. Uh, but, I mean, we'll see. Maybe, maybe this is the book that in a, you know, a year or two, everyone's going to be talking about and I'm going to be missing out on. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. We'll see. Now, we're going to play the game where we find out how long Nick can go without talking about Pax Americana. Okay, so Pax Americana 
was a pretty great book. Okay, so it took literally no time. You just dove right into it. Great. Yep, no time. Um, to, so it's just to dive right in. Let me pull it off my stack here. Yep, grab um, it myself. Here it is. It's, it's uh, wow. It's a, I. So it's the next. It's the next issue in of multiversity. Of multiversity. And for in my personal experience, you know, going into this, like I, I just get excited knowing that Frank Quietly is putting out a book, which mm-hmm. is rare, it given is. his his speed or lack thereof. One day we'll see the next issue of Jupiter's Legacy. I don't know. I don't know. At this point, I really don't know either. <laughs> um, but I know that he's been working on this for a long time. And that Grant, you know, this was kind of like the book that kind of started the whole multiversity conversation. Like mm-hmm. kind of when when multiversity was announced, this was one of the pieces of the story. This was like, yeah, the centerpiece sort of thing. So it, it, interestingly enough, compared to the previous issues and I can't speak for the later issues, but it's the one that, that does connect to the greater story, but seems the most isolated. Oh no, absolutely. I thought, uh, I I was trying to like think as I was raised, I'm like, how does this connect? Like really, this felt like issue one of a mini series. It really, it, I mean, I wish that there was like 12 issues of, you know, this, the pot right. packs Americana. Um, but, you know, going in, I just want Frank Quietly art and, and Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly are that peanut butter and chocolate kind of creative team, just like Rick Remender and Jerome Pena or Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, you know, mm-hmm. they, they can all, they've all done work that hasn't lit our world on lit, lit lit our world on fire but was for some reason regardless of the content when they come together something magical happens mm-hmm. so i mean my expectations are already high just based on the enjoyment of reading their collaboration yeah. and when i got to the end of the book i have to say it really sucked just kidding it was super uh, yeah uh, I, I, I don't know if i could have i, I thought i would get you on that, no, i thought but. you were going to be like it really sucked that this is the only one of these we're gonna get. <laughs> That's actually what I should have said. Yeah, it's you, know. it's, you need better writers, is what it comes down to. I know, I know. I really gotta fire that guy. <laughs> that but one guy. That one, the one guy. Um, it's honestly at the moment, just literally because I, I finished it just before we jumped on the show. Mm-hmm. I haven't quite made heads or tails of it. It the artwork is fantastic. The dialogue. Mm-hmm. There's these little snippets here or there that just like blow my mind and yet it seems so simple it's like man am i really that like oblivious like the 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 military entertainment complex why hasn't that been more of a thing you always hear about like the military industrial complex but like military entertainment complex i really don't want to go into the whole thing about that but it just makes so much sense mm -hmm. and there was just there almost like a throwaway line yeah now one thing that's really really cool about this book for people who don't know is that this book gets to be what Watchmen wanted to be in a lot of ways. Because uh, what Watchmen wanted to be is that it wanted to tell the story using like the Charleston characters, using... Charlton. Uh, Charlton. I always keep saying Charleston for or some is reason. It, is it Charlton? Or is it Char- I think it's Charlton. I think, I think you're right. Charlton. Uh, anyway, we've got... Um, oh, shoot. Remind me. So we, 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 we got, we've got the question... Uh, I'm Blue blanking. Beetle... Blue Beetles in here. Captain Adam. Captain Adam. Nightshade. Nightshade. I'm just <laughs> peacemaker. Um, these characters like and it's it, 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 there's this book is very Watchmen esque too, 
like all the drops of blood that kind of look like the you know the blood on the happy face symbol um all of these mm-hmm. characters you know they represent the counterparts they're supposed to uh one of the biggest differences is that this this takes place in modern day which I thought was really interesting because i thought this was actually going to take place some years in the past mm-hmm. um for some reason and it, it's this very interesting take because uh, it does it jump around time a little bit or is it linear? I had a little trouble with that. That's probably that's. I mean, it, it does jump around time. I know, the, I know that, and that would the, be on purpose, obviously. The initial sequence is goes backwards. Yes, I knew, but obviously. And then it, it kind of. But that's them. It, it's say that that's them reviewing like the video. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, uh, and honestly, like first it got, I was like, okay, is is uh is morrison quietly playing a trick so like i was reading the conversation between the vice president and nightshade mm-hmm. as like is this actually happening before the assassination and then like i, I read it twice and i was like oh no no no, it's it's happening afterwards no it's not but it's hard to tell okay so so the the event that happened so like the whole assassination happens at the very end of the story right no, 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 no. That, the, the the whole okay, the sorry. majority I know, of the we book. We just went over that. Why did I just <laughs> the jump whole back? the whole story is is about the assassination. It mm-hmm. does it does jump around in time though. Like there's the scene where, like the scene where the question faces uh, Blue Beetle and then Nightshade, and then it goes to him doing investigation on uh, Nora O'Rourke's death, um, which jumps back and forth, mm-hmm. uh, and then you have the Captain Adam scene. Um, which I don't quite know where it takes place, though. I think it takes place in 2015, and a portion of the book takes place in 2014. The There's Captain, scene... you mean the scene when he's in the like the particle accelerator? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it takes place in 2015. Now, who is... I mean, obviously, there's this guy who uh, is the the comedian, but we don't see him. No, well, the uh, comedian is Peacemaker. Is that? Oh, is that... Pe- that's Peacemaker, be... comedian was based off of Peacemaker. I oh. mean, comedian's you know okay because the villain like smokes a cigar and just kind of has this build from what little we see it just reminded me of the comedian for some reason yeah no no no. the peacemaker was the inspiration for the comedian okay um but um yeah it, it, the book actually does jump around in time a little it's it's not hard to follow though once once you once you realize it mm-hmm. the the in the latter half of the book it kind of they kind of reveal the present, which kind of, in a sense, remains unresolved. Like you don't necessarily see like, Peacemaker doesn't necessarily get exonerated for the for the murder. Well, no, in he a doesn't sense, he's, in a sense, he's in a sense he's guilty, but not guilty when you understand the bigger issue at hand. Well, and what is the bigger issue? I mean, just like let's paint the full picture here. All right. Well, if I mean, if we want to go complete spoilers, uh, basically the <sighs> yeah. presence. Okay. You, well. Hmm. What should I? Do you want? I mean, you know, cause this is this is a complicated enough book. We're going to get lost in trying to be vague. Be vague. So if you haven't read Pax Americana and you still want to, then skip Pause. forward a bit. Uh, you know, I, we'll say skip forward. Fit, you know, ten minutes at the very most. I don't think it's even going to be that much. But yeah, if not, you'll figure it out. Anyway, so continue. Let's paint the <laughs> anyway. picture here. The, the big picture is uh, the, the twist, I guess I should say, is that the, the the president actually orchestrates his own assassination. Okay. See, that's one thing that I wasn't 100% clear on because I, I wasn't sure if he was orchestrating his own assassination or the assassination of the president he, for him to take over. You know, the, the, I mean, the vice president is clearly corrupt. There, there There's some indications that he's definitely corrupt. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, or actually, I think it's the question that makes a comment about the vice president being corrupt. So it's possible that that was the question's point of view. It's true. But, but other other conversations that you have with President Harley, you know, he talks about how his dad was a comic book artist. So he, that he has this this grand dream about how to create you know peace on earth for all time. Um, there's more, a conversation more than just a comic book artist. Um, there's that's true. That is true. Um, there's the scene um, with uh, Captain Adam and the dog, and then when Harley walks him around, and has a conversation. He basically, it's in a sense, it's kind of like Watchmen's ending, where there's this situation that happens that's supposed to help unite and bring peace on Earth. Um, mm-hmm. But in this in this particular version, it's about the death of the president. You know, right? Um, but it, it does. What I got from it was that Harley was orchestrating his own death. Um. Basically, yeah. Basically, the, the 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 second the the last half of the issue is like all sort of um, b- bits and pieces, little vignettes um, taking place at various points mm-hmm. of the story, um, and it deals with. And I believe, yeah. So it shows it shows Harley as a younger man um, grieving over the grave of his father and. I, th- I think you're, you're you're right. So it, it basically the end reveal was that this there was this original superhero called Yellow Jacket, that that kind of started the whole mystery man, you know, Caped Crusader. Um, he started the superheroes, and then he disappeared one day. And then and then he just mysteriously disappeared, and you end up finding out that it was actually Harley, the the, the future president, who accidentally killed his father, who was uh, Yellow Jacket, who was who also who was both a comic book artist, a Vietnam War veteran, and, and a superhero. Yes. Um, he killed the unicorn. Is what he killed people. Yeah, <laughs> and then it ends. I mean, it ends basically with a young Harley holding up his father's mask, which shows a bullet hole through the middle. There's mm-hmm. so many. It's a very like, layered I, book. I, I don't even know if I'm smart enough to really try and break it down. I hope someone smarter than me ends up putting out some sort of like annotations. I'm sure on, they will on the on the story. I kind of, I like there's there's I feel like I've got a piece of the puzzle based off of the ending like why did he end the book the way that he did mm-hmm. you know it definitely this book definitely warrants a few read-throughs and if you know maybe not just read-throughs but actually like taking notes as you're going through it yeah um to totally piece everything together mm-hmm. it, it's it yeah no it's i, I want to say like the whole book is about war and peace mm-hmm. like why war why peace What's well, it all for? And it's so and it's so interesting. Like he, you know, they create the uh, how do they put it? The military entertainment complex. They set up this whole thing where superheroes are on this pedestal, uh, where you know they're doing good. They're doing all. They, they are what our our future is pointing to, and then we're gonna turn ourselves around on them. We're going mm-hmm. to make superheroes the enemy. Which uh, I mean, that's. That that is very similar, like you said, to the Watchmen ending, except that it's not. Um, uh, but is, is is he Captain Adam? Is he? He's is his it, name's Alan Adams. Alan Adam. And then and then President okay, and then they, they call him Sue, yeah, they call him Captain Adam. Um, yeah. So they, um, but but yeah, it's not just like it's like Captain Adam's not the enemy. Captain Adam has been missing for a long time at the point this happens. Like all the superheroes are an enemy, and we need to change the way we view our security and you know what we're putting our faith into uh while we send this blue person through time yeah um i I feel like 
one of the messages Morrison is trying to display because it's a very weird, it, you know, there one of it's a very small question throughout the book, like what happened huh, to Yellow the question, Jacket? Huh, the question. <laughs> the question. But that, but that, um, that kind of becomes the crux. And then to show it, to show a young boy who pulls out a gun, you know, and he's not he's not being malicious. He he pulls it out and he's kind of examining it. And then he gets spooked when Yellow Jacket, aka his father, climbs mm -hmm. through the window. But he sees a stranger. Or I mean, and, he, and to him, he sees a, a you know, to, to him, I don't necessarily. Well, know. he doesn't. He doesn't even come through the window. He comes through the front door. No, he's climbing through a window. No, are you sure? Yep. Look at the scene where he says, "Forgot my key, kid." Oh, shows... I thought he was like coming back to get it's his a weird, keys. Like he sees the kid, and I don't know if it. it, it I guess there's a question of does Harley know his dad is Yellow Jacket mm -hmm. when he has the gun. But he's clearly spooked, and he fires off the gun. And there's something about like that whole like you know children shouldn't play with guns or whatever like that saying, you know like putting a gun in a child's hand. Um, Not a saying, but continue. Or no, no, there's some kind of saying that involves children and guns. Um, and that I think that's one of the the message. There's something at play because of the, the ending. Like it's this book have ended in so many different ways. It ends with. A, a child play you know mishandling a gun and i think there's a message there that i haven't quite figured out against the backdrop of the rest of the book right and it's not necessarily just about children and guns it's, i mean it's a greater oh, thing no, it's about a metaphor. violence it's, a, it's yeah. like a metaphor for something it's well, not it, he's using it, it to explain it, something yeah and there's several talks about doves throughout the story uh and there's something interesting where there's like the dove feather at the very end with a drop of blood and then near the beginning uh they're walking by some superhero who i don't i don't know if he has if he's ever named um, but he has this shield on his chest that has a dove, and the dove has a couple drops of blood on it. Yeah, it's it, there. There is a lot here, a lot packed into these pages. Mm -hmm. um, I want to know who that guy was with the weird metal arms. I mean, if we if we do some research on Charlton heroes, he'll he'll be explained. Clearly, some characters were more important to the overall narrative. Like Blue Beetle actually didn't come off as that important. Really? He was more. He was more of an obstacle for the question, if anything. Well, but then he was shown. I mean, yeah, the the question was definitely important in a lot of ways, and I think the the purpose of his character was not just an obstacle, but to show like, you know, they were once partners, the way that Rorschach and uh, Night Owl. It's been yeah, so Night long Owl. since I've read Watchmen. The Night Owl were partners, and then. Um, but I mean, they were never like, they were never spurned off and put on separate sides of one another that, you know, their whole movement just ended. Mm -hmm. I think this is sort of a little more sadder take where they were once partners working together. And now, you know, because of, because of his ways of operation, the question has been shut off and, and everybody who was his partners, his friends have now turned on him entirely and mm -hmm. are even hunting him down. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I definitely enjoyed it um I'm, I'm really excited to reread all of these issues when the story's all said and done i'm really excited for thunderworld because that that one i mean I, I know this this one has been you know really talked up really excited but i feel like this one thunderworld is one that morrison himself has been talking up because he says he's going to be telling the best shazam story it sounds like he's he's writing it as if shazam was like a saturday morning cartoon and i'm which... so excited for that which is definitely exciting. Oh man, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be a good time. I wonder if the Black Adam will look like the Rock. <laughs> I, I think, I think the Black Adam is the Rock thing it's happened a lot. No, um, no, this just no, no. Cameron Stewart uh, just drew this all yesterday. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
he's uh, he, he's that talented. No, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Cameron Stewart's art, though. I'm looking forward to that. Oh yeah, definitely. All right, well that that actually puts us at about the ten minutes that we were talking about for spoilers yeah. for Pax Americana. There we go, people. Come back onto the welcome, show. Welcome back. Uh, Those ten minutes were just for us. Yeah, no one else allowed. No <laughs> girls allowed. So let's uh let's stick it on the DC train. Let's talk about something that came out last week because we obviously we missed last week. <clears throat> and now twenty minutes into the show, I'd like to apologize that we missed last week. Uh, couldn't be avoided. Uh, somebody who shall remain nameless uh, was not available uh, at any time. Per usual. For the show. And so, you know, he made the children weep. Uh, he, you know, I, I just, I, I was inconsolable for days. <laughs> uh, but, you, you know, not naming you names. found a way. You found, found a way. way. Uh, but we're back. And so we're going to talk about some stuff that we were going to talk about last week. Uh, most importantly... Batman number 36. Batman number 36. Which is part of Endgame. It's actually part two. And I didn't plan on us going through this issue by issue, but again, this is a big story, bigger than I had previously anticipated, uh, in which, let's just get down to it, the, uh, if you follow comic books at all, then this won't be a surprise, especially if you've seen all the covers that they're putting out. But the Joker Returns. Uh, that's that's the big part of the story, and he's back, and he's got a new face, and a new agenda against Batman. Dun dun dun! Have you been reading any of the interviews I've sent you with Scott Snyder? Uh, I haven't. I've read like a couple snippets from like Capullo and Snyder and some other um, and some interviews, but I haven't read like the full things yet. Uh, I mean, is there anything in particular from those you want? Or did you even read them, or did you just send them to me? Oh, I read them. Well, I read at least one of them. Uh, I read the uh, last one I sent you. Okay. I mean, is there anything in particular? Well, Snyder is... I don't want to make this a direct comparison, but he's a lot like Christopher Nolan in that he's sort of... And even Rick Romano to a little bit, where they they, they kind of telegraph their intentions in the story itself. Now, maybe if you never read... If you never read interviews with these creators... Mm-hmm. It'll seem less like a jackhammer hitting you in the face, but they kind of like, well, this is the themes I'm playing with. This is the this or the that. Da, 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 da. Like right. like with Interstellar, like like the taglines are like, we were born here, we were never meant to die here, and then like they say it in the movie, you right. know. Uh, and and Snyder's kind of like that with his intentions and his stories, where it's like, well, this is actually about how the you know in in death uh, death of the family, the Joker was all about, you know, I'm. I'm here to make Batman stronger, and I feel that his allies have made him weaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he basically plays that out through the whole story. Like, it's very, very, very blunt. And uh, based on what I've been reading in Snyder's interviews, that's ba- basically what you're saying, that the, the Joker's modus operandi has changed since his last appearance. And um, it's it's very, very clear. I, I, it's not just clear how the story's going to end. But it's, it's it's very very clear where Snyder is trying to go, at least in these first couple of issues. Yeah, and and the Joker is very upfront about what he's doing. He even he even says on one of the pages, <clears throat> "I used to think we could have fun, you and me, but no, you've become boring to me. I guess I just know you too well." <clears throat> and then he kind of you know goes on and on, but the whole I mean the whole thing is that to the Joker, Batman has now become boring. That their little game isn't what it used to be. 
it's not exciting. I mean, he pretty much outright says um, that he knows everything about Batman. So it's presumed that he knows that he's Bruce Wayne. Obviously, we know he doesn't care. Um, I mean, we kind of knew that he knew, but now he like confirms it You know, for realsies. For um, realsies, yeah. For realsies. Uh, but, you know, he's saying, like, that's not important. Like, you don't know anything about me. And now that I know you completely, you're boring and I'm done with you. And so now it's time to, leave, you know, for, for the Joker, it's like, now that I have no use for you anymore, I'm going to get rid of you. It's, it's interesting because, you know, for the Joker, you know, to him, everything's just one big joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually a great reflection of uh, Heath Ledger's final line in The Dark Knight. Where he's just like, we're gonna do this forever and ever and ever, you and I. Yeah, you're the. Uh, uh, the this is what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. Yeah, but uh, and now that this is this is you know, and for all intents and this is at least in the beginning. I I think Snyder's got great intentions here. The the final execution remains to be seen, but it's it's a great perspective to take on what could be and certainly won't be, but could be a final Joker story, not just Snyder's, but in general. The idea that the Joker, who this is, you know, for Bruce, it's never been a game. This is serious. This is a crusade. This is all about justice. This is about, you know, bringing peace and order to the city. You know, mm-hmm. for the Joker, he's like, well, you're freaking nuts. Everything's nuts. You know, this all this is all one big joke. Uh, and you're just fun to play with. Like for the Joker, Batman's the little mouse that he's dangling in his hands. But now he's bored. Yeah, exactly. And he wants to destroy him forever. Uh, so he gets a new face in this. What are your thoughts on his new appearance? I mean, I, I, I like it. I mean, I, I didn't necessarily care for the freaking you know, face stapled or whatever back on a face look, uh, yeah. even less on Joker's daughter. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, the fact that he has it back now, maybe she's gone forever. No, no, he still has the face. I believe he even shows the the old face in the in the issue. No, he, yeah, he has the face. But I'm saying Joker's daughter's gone because she doesn't have maybe, the face. Maybe. I, I want to believe. Maybe she'll go on to become Two Face's daughter. It's, anyway, but uh, we still don't know if he's dead or alive. That's true. That's true. He hasn't popped back up yet, though he will eventually, and so will the Joker, depending on how the story wraps up. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, for me, like I haven't, like I haven't read. I read Death of the Family. I haven't. I've read like the first two or three issues of Zero Year, mm-hmm. and uh, I haven't read a lot of the additional books. Like I haven't read the Batman Annuals. Like so that the Eric Border reveal, which I thought the use of the name was clever. I was like, oh, cool. I just learned what that stuff meant. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like I, he wasn't a character I was at all familiar with. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you know, to me, the the punch wasn't as hard, though it was still a I thought a well executed scene. The, let's just face it: the art by Greg Capullo is fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah, no, great. And then this in the page where they first show his face, like it's so good. Mm-hmm. It um, it's interesting. It's it's different than the design. I mean, Joker's face has changed over the years. I mean, his look has changed many times. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's it's not like he's had that iconic. I mean, he has, he always has kind of had an iconic look and he still retains that, you know, the green hair, the, the bright lips, the crazy eyes, the white skin, you know, that's always been there, but it's always changed in different ways. He's, he's had different hairstyles over the years. You know, his lips have varied in length. Uh, he was Heath Ledger at one point. He was Heath Ledger at one point. Which Heath Ledger was just a guy in makeup where Joker for, and everything else is he is 
that is his face. He's not wearing makeup. Yeah, he's always the guy that fell into a chemical bat. I wouldn't, you know, I don't mind the chemical bat. So, you know that it's, it's an actual, you know, alt like a physical alteration of his face. Uh-huh. I do like the Heath Ledger version because it, it, oh, it, it worked. Me, it worked. It's, yeah, it, it was great. I, I just. It's it's different because like for the Joker I actually grew up with was the one from the animated series who was much more cartoony and more more of a jester than a, a full on psychopath. I mean there was still like some there was still darkness in there, but it was mm-hmm. a kids show. End of the day. Yeah, but I mean like what Joker like what Joker look do you prefer? Like just look, not necessarily mission statement or you know the little tweaks from character to character. But like visually, what Joker do you like the best? Oh, that is a tough question because, like you, I definitely grew up um, with the, uh, you know, the Joker from the cartoon. Um, I'm not going to say the Joker from the Batman show in the 60s because that that was something all its own. Oh, man, that is a difficult question you're you're suddenly throwing at me. I don't want to make your day spiral into chaos, but... (laughs) No, um, definitely not the Jack Nicholson look. Uh, man, if you just type in Joker on uh, Google and then hit image search, it is nothing but pictures of Heath Ledger. <laughs> it is a little interesting. Uh, sorry, I totally... I mean, it's 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 hard for me to say. I think there is definitely something about the the purple suit wearing joker that's great um Mm -hmm. i think i probably if if you want to talk like iconic like the one that conjures in my mind when i think about it it's probably the killing joke uh joker because that i mean that's just such a uh insane batman joker story anyway um but it's you know because he there's there's times where his looks like he's the wild clown he's the crazy guy like he's just insane but there's something like his killing joke look where he's a little more i mean he is insane but he's calm in his madness you know Mm -hmm. he he doesn't get angry which is weird um i mean he does when people like insult batman in front of him like he'll get upset about that but he doesn't like get you know get angry and then do something completely irrational for the joker like he there is a method to his madness and i think the killing joke joker really uh really represents that Mm -hmm. for me anyway uh joker kills robin no just said oh apparently um i don't i don't remember what issue or what, what it was from now um i saw something online where it was an image from. Oh God, no! Why'd you send that to me? I hate that. I hate that Joker it was so the, much. Uh, the Joker from the Batman cartoon. Oh, it hurts me. Anyway, it was something. I think it was No Man's Land. Somebody's in some like underground layer of the Joker's, and there is a uh, Robin costume that's all beat up, and there's a crowbar next to it that says "The Day I Won." And I thought that was great. Oh, I need to close that image before I weep terrible tears all over the place anyway yeah endgame is still going strong and i have to say the covers that are coming out of endgame are amazing very it's you know compared to death of the family spooky eerie kind of that i like this that it's out in the daylight 
I like that it's bold. Like the, the artwork is so much more bold. It's not mm-hmm. scratchy. It's not surreal. It's like in your face, defined lines, and that's you know. But but no less subtext. You mm-hmm. know, it's 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 very very good. Do you see the uh, the cover for thirty nine? Is that where he's sitting on all the bodies? Yes. Yeah. That's so great. His body is his throne of bodies. Yeah, I I really thought that my favorite cover uh, for Batman so far has been, uh, I think it's like issue twenty two or something. Where no, it's way before that. Uh, might be in the in the teens somewhere. But it's the one where uh, it, it's at the end of Death of the Family and Joker's dancing with the um, dancing with the empty bat suit. It's great. Uh, but I think uh, maybe a new favorite cover will come out of this storyline if he keeps putting out stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we can uh, we can move on now. We can. Do you want to talk about Drifter now or Drifter later? Uh, you we maybe could talk about because uh, I didn't read Drifter. You read Drifter. We could. Uh, well, might only keep the Batman thing going because we're gonna, you're gonna, you're going to do an event update for Batman Eternal. That's right. We're going to go on to our event update then. Beep, 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 so Batman Eternal, which Nick is not caught up on, only by a couple of issues. How, what what level of spoilers? I you... finished where Arkham Asylum fell into the ground, right. and I know the issue after that was with Alfred and Bane trying to get out. But I actually I really like that issue. Um, the the Alfred Bane team. Alfred up? Bane team up was actually really good. I thought it was interesting. Uh, I like seeing Alfred out in the field a little bit, uh, kicking some ass. Mm-hmm. It was fun. So I won't reveal then what happened last issue, and kind just, of just talk about it. It's fine. I'll read them okay. anyway. Well, uh, excuse me. So Arkham Asylum collapses, which was a pretty big deal. Um, you, we talked about Arkham Manor, I think, right on the show. Yeah, right? yeah, we we did a little bit. So yeah, so we already knew that that, that happened. Uh, and then what's happened in these last two issues? is since uh, since that tower didn't fall, Hush is changing his game plan, and it's now to make Batman an enemy. You know, at first he was trying to weaken Batman, now he's outright trying to make Batman an enemy. And since he messed with Alfred a little bit, he now has access to a bunch of Batman's uh, secret, you know, ammo dumps throughout the city, and is going there and is setting them off, hmm. uh, making major explosions all around town. And that's that's what that's where last issue concluded, and this issue was about uh, Batman and Alfred's daughter going around trying to destroy them before he can get to them. Uh, one thing that I'm liking about because Batman Eternal was a little bit all, all over the place, it was kind of spreading itself. Uh, it was kind of getting to, the, to a little bit where it was just spinning its wheels, like I think is a phrase that you'd used. Now I oh, actually yeah. feel like they're kind of coming back on track. And they're starting to move forward a little bit, okay. uh, where some stuff is actually happening. And I, you know, now that they revealed Hush, they're kind of moving forward with his plan. It's not just so much like there's somebody in the shadows that's doing all of this. And it's so bizarre to think about that the the storyline of Jim Gordon, you know, possibly killing all those people is so far behind us now like that's not even like in play anymore we're not talking about that it is, that is true I, it has not come up in many issues including carmine falcone or penguin or anything like that mm-hmm. 
all you know, all very big in the first you know twenty issues of the series. And, and I'm glad actually that they've kind of put that stuff to rest, where they've mm-hmm. they've you know that storyline has kind of played its part and things have kind of stabilized in that arena, for better or for worse. But now we're going to continue on with this bigger story and other stuff's going to be happening. You know, we're not we don't still have Batgirl running around trying to find a way to like exonerate her father because that would just be like, all right, we get it. You know, your father didn't do it. We all know we love Jim Gordon. <laughs> and so it's like other stuff is happening here. And obviously, since we know that uh, Alfred's daughter is in Endgame, nothing bad is going to happen to her. Because the, the way this issue ends is that Hush kind of comes upon her as she's going to go set off one of the, or not set off, but destroy one of the uh, the caches. And, uh, but she has proven also in this issue to handle herself. And I find myself kind of wishing she was going to be Robin, but I know she won't be the bluebird. No, no. Alfred's daughter. Oh, sorry. sorry, Alfred's daughter. Yeah. 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 Which there's even a line uh, in this issue that I kind of like where Alfred obviously expresses his disapproval with disapproval of her going out there. And Bruce comes back and says, she you know she's she's more trained than dick jason or barbara were or even damien when you know when i took them out there like she's ready for this and just mm-hmm. like for a moment i'm like just make her permanent but the suit well, she probably her. will be permanent i mean I, I don't i don't necessarily see julia pennyworth being a robin she, no. would, she would probably see that beneath her yeah if she was like younger I think it'd be awesome. She she's essentially being situated as well. You know, the future is always unwritten, but she's mm-hmm. kind of being situated as for v, a female, even more ass kicking, you know, younger Alfred. Right. Well, you know, where she she's she's Oracle, but she can get up and move. Right. Um, oh, people still want Oracle back. So I wonder if that's true now with the new series. I should ask. Uh, I should ask some friends of mine who that, I know are big Oracle fans. That that is an interesting question. Given you know that, if anything, and I, it's not saying it's against Gail Simone specifically, because I know I, I guess she had different plans that she would have done with with Barbara Gordon, mm-hmm. but like the I guess the according to internet conjecture, the, the the sort of the atmosphere at the time, DC was looking for a very specific thing. Excuse mm-hmm. me. You know that it's I, I like Oracle. I never had as strong an attachment. I certainly don't have a personal investment as far as like her disability goes. Like people that would have that disability mm-hmm. would would see themselves in that character. So for me, having this new, very entertaining sort of indie chic Batgirl book is, is kind of a lot of fun. It is. You know? Yes, I think one and thing. They, of, well, yeah, no, 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 you first. I well, was, I think well. I think one thing that was very appealing about Oracle for a lot of people too was that she was this ass-kicking female who was stuck in a wheelchair. And, you know, that didn't diminish how awesome she was and her personality. Like, she was this strong, awesome female who, you know, wasn't – her strength was not defined by her muscles or her fighting. It was mm-hmm. by her mind and what she was able to do with that. And she still has that mind in, you know, in her new books and stuff. And I know I haven't read much of the Gail Simone uh, uh, Batgirl, but I read the first issue of this new one, and I haven't read the second one yet. But it definitely seems like her intellect is still intact. And that's kind of what's setting her off of, you know, all of these male, you know, the male parts of the Bat family. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, I don't know if you would agree with that statement. I need to catch up on Grayson, man. 
Dude, Grayson's good. Grayson is good. I know. I went to because I was kind of had like a light week on on picking stuff up. I was gonna go pick up one of the issues I uh, had missed. They didn't have it. I was sad. <gasps> to the internet. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. Is is it as far as Barbara Gordon goes? The the Oracle identity definitely kind of gave her a unique role. Um. But it, it's it's just it's just one of those things where it it can it can come and go. I feel like there's characters where like Batman, he's had so many different permutations, so many different incarnations that it's sort of like like no one necessarily. I mean, bats an eye when there's a a, a like, people do, and I don't get it because there have been so many different versions of Batman over the years that you can literally just go online or to a, whatever the, the the official Batman store and get whatever version of Batman you really want. And there's mm-hmm. plenty more that will come in, in, year, in years to come. But with like characters like Batgirl, it's like, well, why can't she have the same thing? Why She can be, you know, old school, original Batgirl, these times Oracle, these times new indie chic Batgirl here, what, like whatever, like, like she, she can come and go as Batgirl. She can come and go as Oracle. Like mm-hmm. I bet you we have not seen the end of Oracle as, you know, Barbara Gordon as Oracle, that at some point someone's going to come around and be like, I, I grew up with Oracle. I really enjoy that version of the character. I think that's where she was at her best. I'm going to disable her again. You know, that's, you know? that's really, it's, it's a very interesting thought. Like, I hadn't really thought about that. But you have, I mean, that's sort of the Jeff Johns uh, Superboy thing where, you know, he he insisted that, oh, or, I mean, he, you know, we talked about it before where he, like, wrote in one time and was like, is is Superboy's human counterpart Lex Luthor and you know DC at the time was like oh no you crazy kid then he came in he was like it's gonna be Lex Luthor and uh, you know that, that could very well happen to to Batgirl I mean I don't know if that'll necessarily be in the next couple years but you know, no, no, if she's, it, if she's still it, up walking around in 10 years then I, I see that being a possibility you know and if not maybe a new you know and I don't see no <laughs> It's a weird statement to make. On one hand, like I, I, I hope that a new prominent, you know, disabled hero comes to the fore, just because I think it is important for people to be able to see themselves in their heroes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, whether they be disabled or black or uh, no arms, like whatever, like you know, that that it, it is important for you know we a we no have like armed a, superhero, a no armed superhero, the you know, but. <laughs> you know, you know us as you know we're we're kind. I don't want to say we're prototypical white guys, but we're white guys, and it's we, it's really easy yeah. easy for us to you know <laughs> we 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 kind of fit like very narrowly in the white guy category. Oh, there's no one for me to look up to. Not this rich white guy. Not the white guy from another planet. You know, not the white guy we, who shoots arrows. You know, we we have there's a, a lot of white guys there's for us to look lot. up to and emulate. So it's it's easy for us to kind of be like, you know, to be like satisfied. But for someone who is disabled or is, you know, who isn't, you know, who is black or Hispanic or whatever, to be able to have someone like Miles Morales or Oracle in their camp be like, oh, I get to be Spider-Man, mm-hmm. you know, that that's a really cool thing. So having her be Batgirl there's nothing there's absolutely nothing wrong with that there's nothing because, honey there's, there's nothing wrong with you being Batgirl, Batgirl. but have you ever tried yeah. not being Batgirl <laughs> um you, you know what I mean that that like you know she I think Barbara Gurn should be allowed to be Batgirl she should be allowed to be Oracle it shouldn't be a big deal you know if DC ultimately wants to introduce reintroduce her as Oracle again great let's get some you know it's kind of like when they reboot a movie yeah, sometimes rebooted movies are bad but sometimes it's more of 
well, the original came out in a time where that's what they were capable of doing at that time. Mm-hmm. And now we're capable of doing so much more. Or it's a modern spin. Like sometimes it's just cool to see. So, you know, Oracle came into promise, I want to say, in the late 80s, you know, to, to 90s. Like 90s was kind of her, her big time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and now she's gone away. And, you know, even if it's 10, 15, 20 years from now, you know, assuming that we're all alive then, you know, like the world in general. <laughs> um, this is going uh, weird hope, places, but keep I'm talking. I, I'm adding way too many details to a very simple point. No, what um, I'm saying, like if an asteroid were to come down <laughs> upon us, we wouldn't be but, here. You know, uh, all I mean is that if they, you know, if she does become Oracle again, then, 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 then you get, then you get a new, you know, it, it's a, it's a whole, like, that's a whole different generation of people with a whole different, you know, set of circumstances. Like we were kind of like the post nine eleven generation. That's the post, I don't freaking know generation. Uh, post Oracle generation. Come on. Post definitely post Oracle generation, but they're able to bring a whole new spin and sensibility to a character all over again. Mm-hmm. Long story short, I like Oracle. I like Batgirl. We were totally started off this by talking about Batman Eternal. I we, don't really remember where we left off. No, neither do I. And I, I'm going to add a little bit to this this conversation real quick before we move on to anything else. <clears throat> and yeah, uh, final thoughts, Batman Eternal. It's uh, moving somewhere. It's moving forward a little bit right now. Um, I'd like. What, to what issue are we on though? Thirty three. Like Thirty three. So we're kind of we're past the halfway mark. So it's kind of now on that downward slope towards the climax i I guess well no we're still building towards the climax i'm sorry we're still in the rising action but we're in like like you said the more a more focused trajectory which is good i'm curious what they're going to do in a year or two that's going to be interesting um anyway thoughts on batgirl real quick and i apologize i'm out of water uh so that you know is why i keep coughing um Batgirl. Well, I'm going to say something that's going to be a little controversial, and that's totally great. Um, remakes aren't necessarily a bad thing if they are done right. I know. Because usually when something comes out, there's very few things that are so timeless, you know. there's It's usually some indication of the time. We're, we're reflecting ourselves. You know, art is a reflection of our of our culture, of our society. Uh, so when stuff comes out, it it's reflecting what's happening at that time, who we are mm-hmm. at that time. That's why even like 80s movies where the the stuff is set far in the future, the technology is still limited by what the 80s can understand. Um, and so when we do like a remake, we need to put this character into the new you know the new mindset, but you have to strike that balance where you're not sacrificing who they are so you know if you're going to bring this character into a new for a new generation uh it it needs to be because you want to tell the same message that character was telling before Mm -hmm. obviously you know if if it's something like transformers it's you just want to sell more transformer toys yeah but if you're you know if you want to do an oracle story it's okay how do we make her the story of who she was as oracle the struggles she faced and had to overcome how do we put that into the current lens that everyone is seeing everything through and it's, and it's I, difficult that's an absolutely it's difficult it has its detractors you mm-hmm. know and i know you're not necessarily going to like every no not every, not, every reinterpretation no not every remake is good there's plenty of terrible remakes but it's not the it's not the fault of the fact that it's a remake i, I think you hit on a good point and there's an article that i haven't read but based off the little like it was, it's an article on CBR. It was shifting identities, expanding diversity, the superhero tradition, and the little sort of uh, little little mini blurb. quote, yeah, the blurb was that that you know 
people getting all up in a hubbubaloo about a black Captain America or a female Thor or whatever have you, you know, that, that all it's doing is Wait, keeping... Captain America's black now? <gasps> then you didn't hear? <laughs> Captain America is now uh, a black. Anyway. You know, you know that, you know, or, or Michael B. Jordan playing the Human Torch, things like that, that all it's really doing is keeping up with the superhero tradition. Now, having not read the article to know if there's some sort of plot twist within it that, that nullifies the point I'm about to make. Plot twist, I'm a racist. Continue. <laughs> this article is not about diversity. It was about how I'm a racist. Yep. But it, it's, you know, comic books change constantly, constantly. Like, the, yeah. the, and, and people, it's like people read them, like you get into them as a kid. I know because the, the, the comic books that I enjoyed as a kid, they always hold this special place in my heart where they seem infallible, mm-hmm. you know? Even if they're so, not good. So I can understand, like, if you grew up in the such and such era of Captain America or Superman or Batman, that, like, that that's just a special time for you. And it's hard to shake that. And I don't blame you, and I'm not asking you to. Right. But all through that, maybe even through, like, you and I have been reading since, like, 2000, give or take, you know? In those, oh, my God, 14 years... Um, uh, get over it. Anyway, <laughs> that that we've seen, you know, so many different permutations, incarnations, these characters. Like the the next two major Marvel and DC events are all based on alternate versions of characters. Mm-hmm. You know that that we actually thrive and enjoy these alternate takes on characters, these 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 shifts in status quo. And yet we we get all up in arms. I don't want to say we as if you and I are part of it, but those people. The oh, people I have that a pitchfork. I have a pitchfork ready to go at any moment. I, I don't blame you, you know, but but these people that get up in arms about these changes, it's like you you've done this before, you've done this a hundred times before. Mm-hmm. Why are you still upset? It doesn't well because matter. they're because they're changing the thing. Like if, if it's something that they like, it's like why change it? You know, I yeah. like it right now. It's good but, for me. But it's literally like they have blinders on. Like they can't see more than like a month ahead of themselves. Like Superior mm-hmm. Spider Man, they were the editor of the book was making cracks about how like we've had fifty years of Peter Parker. Let's have fifty years of this. Like and people were like, oh, I can't believe he's saying that. And and you know what? it lasted thirty one issues over like a year and a half. Yeah. You know, like I don't care if 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 um Sam Wilson is Captain America for six months, a year, ten years. The point is and it also doesn't matter if if Steve Rogers comes back to be the Captain America. Mm-hmm. The point is is that Here's a new take. We have seen 50 plus years of Steve Rogers' Captain America before. Let's just enjoy the ride of this alternate take. That's yeah. what we've been thriving on this whole time. Yeah, well, even if, even if they change it, just make it worth it. Make the change worth it. Make this something that's going to be enjoyable. Like you, yeah, like like you were saying about remakes. The, the fault of it isn't that it was a remake. You know, The fault in Sam Wilson as Captain America isn't going to be that he was a black man in a Captain America suit. It's just going to be the execution and quality of the story that he's in. Right. Okay. So what I what I absolutely love is that you just said he wasn't just a black guy in a Captain America suit, which makes it sound like he's not Captain America. He's just a black guy who in the Marvel Universe has put on a Captain America suit like and a is costume. running around as Captain mm-hmm. America. As if it's not justified. It's, it's, it, it, that it can't be any more iconic than Steve Rogers in a yeah. Captain America suit. I mean, yeah, and I mean that's I mean that's hard to be as iconic as as Steve Rogers, and he, obviously he wasn't the only one. But we never talk about the others, you know. Mm-hmm. We we only mention Bucky Barnes occasionally as Captain America. Um, and yeah, to have a character, I mean, I think that they did a pretty good job with uh, Otto Octavius being Spider Man, so much to the point that that's going to still get talked about. You know, people are still kind of reeling from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 definitely difficult to to change the characters so much that this brief change for a year or even a couple years is iconic enough to carry any weight in the memories of the people. 
Like, I still wish that Dick Grayson was Batman sometimes. You know? Right? It just is what it is. But I say we, we move forward, we move on, talk about some other stuff. Um, I know that I had two weeks, but I have been really wrapped up in uh, some other stuff and completely forgot to do a quiz. <sighs> so we're going to move this, on. This is a change that I cannot accept. Oh, it's happened before. So no quiz? No quiz this week. I mean, I could just ask you... Uh, Hold on, look, let me look at the books that are sitting by my feet here. Uh, Come on, try me. Just try me. You want me to try you? Uh, is Jordi Belair a man or a woman, Nick? Woman. Yeah, I know. It's just last week you were so determined. That it was a woman, right? No, last week you were like, are we sure? It might be no, a guy. No, I'm pretty sure that was... You thought it was a man and I thought it was a woman. No, I said Jordi Belair, blah, 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 she, and you're like, are we sure it's a she? Really? I did that? Yes. Oh, okay. I mean, it's apparently it's recorded, so I can always go back and make a fool of myself. Well, um, yeah, don't worry. I make a fool of yourself all the time. That's true. Okay, that's true. let's move on to the news, because <laughs> we've got two weeks' worth of news to talk about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, looking at the list here, it doesn't seem like a whole lot. It's been a slow two weeks, so maybe yeah. us missing a week was okay. But, if anything, we actually can continue the conversation we were just having based off this first bit of news. Oh, yes, because this is... All right. This plays into it. So you know, I think, a lot more off the top of your head about this than I do. Um, So Doctor Doom is going to be in the new Fantastic Four movie because the Fantastic Four literally have no other enemies, Um, which is fine, except for Galactus. Uh, And we've all known that this new movie is going to be different in a lot of ways, a lot of ways. And now they're finally starting to kind of talk about it. And uh, Toby Kebbell, who's playing Dr. Doom in the movie, has now said, basically, here's who my character is. And I'm just going to read word for word what he said. Uh, He's Victor Domashev, not Victor Von Doom. Uh, I'm sure I'll be sent to jail for telling you that. I'm a programmer, very antisocial programmer, and on blogging sites, I'm Doom. So he is a programmer who goes by the name Doom Online. Yep. That's the, that's yeah. the news. That's... that's... I, I don't In... know. I don't know. <laughs> Again, here's the thing. I like to think that I am. I always strive to be an optimistic person, however cautious. And I realize that this movie is going to be the so not Fantastic Four yet Fantastic Four movie. You know, yeah, it's this, not this the Fantastic gonna... Four that anyone wants, but that doesn't mean it's going to be a terrible Fantastic Four. No, but it's really trying my limits of how like, much <laughs> leeway I'm willing to give. <laughs> It, and honestly, every time I think about this Victor Domashev, you know, Doom handle thing, I think of literally the second season of Digimon with the Digimon Emperor. And, and, and I mean, it's bringing back uh, years, years, years old, you know, cartoon memories. But um, it's just like the idea of like, you know, the Fantastic Four, they'll probably go into some digital space and be fighting. Digital oh, champions to <laughs> save the digital world. Uh uh, yeah, so <laughs> that that just nostalgia bomb. That just happened. Uh, yes, here's the thing that it's conjuring in my mind 
is he's an antisocial programmer who goes on blogging sites by the name Doom. In my head, here is this neckbeard guy who lives in his parents' basement and is like, anarchy is the only true way. Hey, mom, what's for dinner? Like, this is the picture that's painting in my mind. And with that kind of picture in comparison to, in contrast to, like, the Doctor Doom that, you know, is and forever will be, you know, rule of Latveria, you know, total mystical slash scientific badass, whatever you have you, I can totally see why that would seem like such a letdown. Yes. But, again, like, this whole movie is being built up in a way where everyone has this... it's, it's, It's not like the Green Lantern movie where... Like, they actually were trying to play it straightforward and bombed, Mm -hmm. you know? Those first trailers come out, and it's almost exactly what you were expecting, but even, but like, as a, but instead of being compelling and fun and interesting, it just was like, (gasps) I'm really nervous about this film. We have not seen a single thing about this movie. No, I thought those pictures of Doctor Doom, I thought, were strange. Yeah, but yeah, Yeah. that, 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 that's, that's something in process, not the complete product. Who knows what he's actually going to look like. You know, so that's just one of those things where this the statement comes out from from the actor about what it is, and in in writing, it's like, well, that's definitely not the Doctor Doom I want. That's you know, if anything, just make a different character, make it the Mole Man, you know, or whatever. <laughs> would, oh, that'd be awesome. You, you know, actually, well, apparently, the Mole Man will be in the movie in some capacity. Ooh. It, um, you know, but you know, clearly, as a as a country singer or something, you know, something that totally has nothing to do with the character. Yeah. Now, see, see. <laughs> I'm all for them, like like I mean, like, like I was saying, trying to update stuff and make it different, but but the fact that they've had that they've had the curtains closed, and they, you know they've been very tight lipped about it, and the locks have been on there, and they're like not really, they're just telling us everything in these little snippets. Mm-hmm. It's like I can't see the full picture, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. Like if you were showing me not the full picture, but just like a little bit more, it's like somebody's trying to describe a painting to me, uh, but they can only use words with less than five letters <laughs> well also we this is this is uh, another conversation about we're privy and and even seek out so much more information about about a particular product before it drops yeah. if this if they somehow dropped this on cave people where it was just like here's a movie you know you had no insight onto the production you had no idea what it was going to be about you just knew it was called fantastic four it was an adaptation about this already existing comic book and then it drops first of all k people would be like what's a comic book i'm just just go with it just go with it you know you i'm not saying you're asking a lot of me nick i'm I'm not saying that this fantastic movie will you know if this fantastic movie dropped on an unsuspecting world that had Mm -hmm. zero you know previous knowledge of it you know that they would still enjoy it that that it's it's the fact that we that we that we've gotten all this um uh information that you know that's but it can kind of go both ways it, it's it's clouding our judgment and i feel like a lot of people are going to walk into the theater and be like this still sucks well i'm you capable know? of enjoying stuff for what it is but if something is just bad then it's just bad you know and like i don't want this to just be bad and i'm not saying that it, it is bad but it's like i'm really having a hard time figuring out how this is all going to work now like even show you, me a couple of production photos you know now now what if they change what if they didn't call it fantastic four that there, that there, there was no overt names relating to the Fantastic Four. They weren't even called Reed, Benju, and, and Susan. That you well, know that okay. You know, but, but but basically, you'd have Digimon. Right. Um, well, but, no, but but if somebody were to come to me and be like, "Hey, we're making a superhero movie," uh, and they give me kind of the lowdown on like you know, it's it's these people who get their powers from 
such and such, you know, chemicals are raised. Like, yeah, that's pretty typical. Okay, I'm down with that. You're like, yeah, but the villain is going to be this guy who uh, goes by this hacker name, you know, uh, I can't think of anything aside from Doom because I'm still staring at a picture of him. <laughs> but like any other, like, like he goes by the name Death. And, you know, he, he like he's a blogger. I'd still be like, that sounds really stupid. Like, that sounds like this guy who thinks he's really... T- and I get, like, maybe that's the thing. He thinks he's really tough. And then that he is Doc. Powers. Well, that, that's Dr. Right. Doom. He thinks he's way cooler than he actually is. Yeah, but at least, like, before he got into the accident and all these other iterations, like, there was something to him, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is, like, just, like, if... Like, it would conjure the same images in my mind of just, like, the ultimate, like, loser physically and mentally and emotionally. Like, I... What I'm just saying is, like, at least give me a teaser trailer. I don't need anything. I don't There's got to be one coming. I mean, the movie comes out next summer. Yeah. We've gotten, we've gotten plenty of other things far earlier yeah. from their release dates. And you know, I I'm down with keeping a lot of stuff under wraps. That's totally cool. But either keep it all but under wraps. If or... Christopher Nolan was in Christopher Nolan or J.J. Abrams' case, you have this perception that like, oh, they're keeping under wraps for. You know, good reasons. I'm really excited about the product, despite having no idea what's going to happen. But they still then, like they they still fairly. I don't know. Well, but also, if we're talking about like Christopher Nolan with Dark Knight Rises, we had no, two I other even, films. I wasn't even. I wasn't. Okay. Even, I, wasn't even, I wasn't just talking about the, the the their comic book related material. Just the I'm talking about two secretive directors, and now here's a third secretive director and Josh Trank. But his. Know, who, but I don't know if this guy's earned the same trust. But that's the thing. Does it? it I, I don't. I'm not necessarily going on my way to trust these directors. You know, they're just here to bedazzle me. I don't think it's anything. You know, Josh Trank hasn't earned the the the, the need to be secret any more than any other director has need to be secret. Because in my mind, is even though I personally try to go out of my way to find information about these films I plan on seeing, mm-hmm. that's my fault. That's not their fault. If they choose to be secret to protect their creative project mm-hmm. then i think that's totally within their power yeah and and you know i i really enjoyed chronicle i really did like chronicle so i'm always willing to give him leeway on that but chronicle was its own thing it was a standalone sort of film that surprised I me mean, it was a very original fresh idea and you know maybe maybe this is going to be sort of like that but they're just going to slap the name fantastic four on it and that will piss a lot of people off because you know that's not my fantastic four and I, and I I will be able to look past that if that's what this is, mm-hmm. um, I, you know I think we're we're kind of running in circles with this at this point, but that's that's the news. Uh, Doctor Doom is uh, Domashev. More power to them. I'm, I, I just, actually like the name Victor Domashev. Uh, it's I pretty get, cool. I get why they wouldn't call him Victor Von Doom. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was a Saturday morning cartoon, oh no, I understand. Call him Victor Von Doom. Domashev, like in the Ultimate Universe, they called him Victor Van Dame. Uh, I think they actually did call him Victor Von Doom in the other Fantastic Four movies. Yeah, I remember, it's, though, it's I definitely. I mean, it's it's hard. It's like how do we how do we make this nickname natural? But mm-hmm. then again, there's also the thing you can't give yourself a nickname, you know. Yeah, and that, that sounds like he's trying to. <sighs> okay, all right, just deep deep breaths. Let's move on. <sighs> Continuing on the uh, the. the movie slash television news apparently marvel television has narrowed their choices for jessica jones and luke cage in the upcoming uh direct to netflix series about uh the characters and i'm glad we're finally starting to hear something about this because we've been hearing so much about daredevil 
that I was kind of like, are they still making these other ones? I know you were hoping we'd get news about Immortal Iron Fist. I totally am still waiting with bated breath. We will. Um, but I like the way that they're, that they're actually setting up um, the Jessica Jones, Luke Cage thing, which uh, they're going to start with Jessica Jones first, actually. And mm-hmm. uh, Luke Cage is going to appear in six episodes of that. And then after her, they're going to do the, the Luke Cage series. Yeah, I imagine um, Jessica Jones will also share some real, uh, you know, some real estate time. with yeah. uh, with the Luke Cage series as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I, I think all this announcement is coming out of, hey, we're doing Jessica Jones first. Yeah. Um, it's funny because anything with Jessica Jones in the last few years is her with a baby. Even the picture they chose was her, like, with, uh, you know, with a bunch of the Avengers and a baby. It's yep. like you couldn't have picked something from before the pregnancy. From the alias, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so some of the actresses that they are apparently taking a look at are Kristen Ritter, uh, Alexandra Daddario, Teresa Palmer, and Jessica DeGau. Um, which, just for some people to know, uh, Jessica DeGau appeared as Helena Bertinelli in Arrow, uh, which I hope they don't pick her. Uh, Jessica, or not Jessica, um... Kristen Ritter uh, is known for her roles in Breaking Bad and Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, which I've been watching lately, and it's hilarious. Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment B, really? In Apartment 23. It's 2023. really funny. Uh, James Vanderbeek is amazing in there. Um, hmm. Alexandra uh, D'Addario was on HBO's True Detective, who, you know, very, very good show. Um, probably has one of my favorite tweets of all time. Because uh, there was something where Obama demanded to see more episodes of uh, True Detective. You know, he's like, I'm the president. I should get more episodes. And she was like, so this means that the president has seen my boobs. Uh, <laughs> because she's topless in that. Uh, which I, I always found that rather amusing. Uh, and anyway, Teresa Palmer was in the 2013 zombie comedy Warm Bodies. Now, I'm so I'm familiar with three of the four. Um, I don't, I don't, the only one out of these that I actually really like would be, uh, Alexandra D'Addario, personally. I don't know how familiar you are with any of them. Uh, I actually don't know what Teresa Palmer looks like, so. She kind of looks like Kristen Stewart. Oh, yeah, no, I saw a picture of, like, some of the actors they were considering, I was like, is that Kristen Stewart? So she wouldn't be bad. I don't know anything she's really done. Um, like the like the quality. Oh, okay, Lisa Tregnetti. Yeah, that's. I, I'm still a few episodes away from finishing um, True Detective, but I, I she she's um she's in like the early parts. No, no, she is. She is. Yeah. I, now I see her face. Like I, I know who she is. Yeah. Yeah, I think she would be good. She yeah she she seems like an act like she had, like because sometimes there, there's there's with not actress or actors like there's the look and then there's the the gravitas that you can bring to the role. Mm-hmm. Based on what little I've seen of her in True Detective. She could, I think she could pull that off. Oh, you know what? I actually have seen Teresa Palmer in I Am Number Four, which I unfortunately watched. Oh, yes, that, she also did that. Yeah, um, she was like cool in that, I guess. I, don't, I, I would say if I had to pick, it would be Teresa Palmer or um, or uh, Alexandra Daddario. I don't. I, I like Kristen Ritter a lot. She just doesn't have the look for me. She has a very distinct look. She is a very distinct um, look. But it just doesn't seem like Jessica Jones to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, she seems a little too, I mean, this is going to be odd, 
considering a lot of stuff that I've said about Wonder Woman. But if you go to our website, you can actually find something I've written about this, where I think that Kristen Ritter actually looks a little too uh, skinny for Jessica Jones. Yeah, yeah. You, and, you, if you're going to be a superhero, you got to have a certain physique. And Jessica uh, DeGau, um, not a great actress on Arrow, so... Wouldn't, wouldn't Which, go with her I'm not myself. saying that, that all the acting on Arrow is top notch. So it no, could but be hers was particularly bad. Um, anyway, the two they're looking at for uh, Luke Cage are Lance Gross, which is an unfortunate last name, and Mike Coulter. Uh, Mike Coulter was on The Good Wife, an American horror story. Who's he on that? And uh, oh, uh, Lance Gross is on the TV show Crisis, which I have not seen. Uh, Mike Coulter. Show me your face. I'm just trying to think. I, I really like. Lance Gross could do it just based off of his looks. He's got he's got a certain look to oh, him. Oh, Mike Coulter could too. Uh, I say hop on over there. Oh, he was in Coven. That's why I haven't looked, seen who he is yet. Yeah, no, he could he could as well. Mike, uh, sorry, oh my Lance, God, I'm already forgetting names. Lance Gross. Um, Lance Gross seems like a much, you know, if it, going oh, by yeah, the he does. they have picked, he's much younger looking. And Mike Colder seems a bit older. Right. Lance you know, Gross so... does he have the he's not as uh not as dark, which I don't think well is Luke Cage. Actually Luke Cage is typically like He's generally darker skinned. I don't think I don't think they're necessarily gonna argue the finer points of the, the Oh how so people dark will the skin is, but... people will. Oh yeah, people will, but the the end product won't care. So they're going with rather unknown quantities um for the Luke Cage casting, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I think like there's a lot of great popular you know uh, actors who are black. You know that, unfortunately, because it's Netflix, a lot of money is excuse me being thrown at these things, but not necessarily so much that you know you could afford you know a 13 plus episode commitment from one of the more brand name, yeah, like Idris Elba, or um, I don't know, there's another guy in my head that I was thinking of. An actor who I kind of had hoped, you know, if uh, if he was like maybe five years younger, you know, mm-hmm. now that they're making a Black Panther movie was uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, if I'm pronouncing that uh, correctly. Chiwetel Ejiofor, which I know I'm not, I'm not pronouncing correct either. But yeah. anyway, yeah. <laughs> but he, he just had this look where like he, he's, he's capable of doing action, but he has this certain, I feel like he can really pull off this sort of regal look that I think Black Panther needs. Uh, not the same that the actor that was cast won't pull it off, but there's something about that actor in particular that I thought would have been cool for a Black Panther role. But, well, especially around the time that Serenity came out. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, I really enjoyed. I really, I really hoped we were going to see him in some more like action stuff. Which I mean, good for him. He's doing drama, getting not Oscar nominations. Um, but come on, man, go fight some people. <laughs> Anyway, very cool. I'm sure we'll report more on those as that uh, is happening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh yeah, the interstellar backstory. So Christopher Nolan and Sean Murphy uh, got into an elevator together, apparently, and hashed out this idea. If you head over to Wired.com, you can see um, a short, I don't know how many pages. I think seven it pages. It's seven pages. I figured it was going to be seven or eight. Little backstory on uh, interstellar telling a little bit more about Dr. Man, um, which were, you know, this is not the heck yeah interstellar podcast, um, or movie podcast for that. Uh, matter. but now there's a comic book on it. So, <laughs> not we, can so we can talk about it. about it. It's great. It was a trick all along. <laughs> um, 
No, it's cool. I Unfortunately, neither of us have read it, but apparently it's good from what I understand. I really wish that Christopher Nolan would write a comic book. Like, I love that for a little while Damon Lindelof did some, Joss Whedon did some, and now they're doing these big old projects where, you know, obviously that's going to be way more important to them, but I would just love a little bit more love to the comic world. You know, give me some more Astonishing X-Men. Give me some more Wolverine versus the Hulk. You Mm -hmm. know, I just, I want it. Um, But very, you know, it's very cool. Hop on over to Wired.com. I'm probably going to do that this evening sometime to check it out. And uh, Sean Murphy, man, you can't go wrong with Sean Murphy. No, you can't. I truly love his artwork. Yeah, it... Ah oh, man, just even looking at it now with the cool robot designs in Interstellar, probably one of my favorite things from Interstellar. The great, I mean that that yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do, do we just want to talk about Interstellar for the next twenty minutes until our time's up? Works for me. No, okay. So we got uh, two more stories here, which I think will kind of eat up our time. So that's great. Uh. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they have confirmed that the floating blue alien they've shown is, in fact, a Kree. Uh, like, no one who knew what Krees were didn't realize that from the get-go. Right. Everyone's known it. This is just them outright confirming it. Um, I, uh, We are still not watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., either of us. Apparently, we'll be on Netflix soon, so maybe I will add it to my list and then still not watch it. <sighs> Like, I want to say I'm going to watch it, but I can't make that, you know, I can't make that promise. I, I'm not, the thing is, I'm also not against watching it. No. Just because a show has bad ratings doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad show. Now, I'm not just going to say it's a good show, but I also can't really give a firm opinion until I've truly given it a chance, no, which but I, I haven't. But, but I don't know anybody who's like, oh man, like, why is nobody watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Which I'm sure those people do exist. Uh, but like, I mean, just the fact that the ratings are dropping... Like kind of tells me because it's I, I don't know what uh what its current like airing time is, um, which I was trying to sneakily look up rather quickly. I know they is it Tuesdays? Pretty like, sure it's Tuesdays. I, I know it just changed times, which also which does cause a dip, uh, to uh to shows, uh, which is always sad. It's always sad when they move stuff around. But, sorry, I'm trying to talk and type at the same time, which is apparently not working for me. Anyway, um, I just feel like I'm not missing out. And and, and that's, that's sad for the TV show because I, I, I like that they're ambitious with it. Uh, I think the Netflix series are going to fare better in a lot of ways uh, in that way. But, you know, with this TV show that's going on, like they can't do too much. They can't tell an origin story for a hero and then have that hero go on to you know be in the movie it's like they're they're very limited by the fact that they are a tv show with slowly falling ratings Mm -hmm. uh and so they have to tell stories that are not gonna that are not gonna ultimately add to this bigger universe that they are a part of it's going to seem supplemental. And again, not having watched the show, and apparently a lot of people are saying that this next season could be like a backdoor to the whole Inhumans thing, mm-hmm. which the Kree would be involved with. Yeah. So there, there's room for the sh- the show can, is allowed to be important as long as they're willing to pull that trigger. Yeah. Um, but I, th- another, I think another question needs to be asked, and, and this is nothing against the show, but it's okay for the show to fail. It is. 
it's it's okay regardless if it's a is a shields a shields show that failed or the fact that you know that this interpretation of a shields show you know but it doesn't mean that marvel couldn't try their hand at a different television series based within their universe the netflix upcoming series course being Though, an indication uh speaking of which has the peggy carter series started yet no okay i think it, i think it starts um marvel's january? agent carter january 6th yep which that we'll see about that hello Hi. Oh, say, sorry. sorry, I thought sorry. I was there for a second. Um, no, no. no um, there was like a click on my end. I thought that my internet had cut off. Uh, what were we talking about? TV show. Yes, the Kree are... Well, there was already Kree and Guardians of the Galaxy. They, they mentioned them. They, they showed they're... them. Wasn't it a white guy? He there was. There are white Kree, but... Um... He was, but there even like at one point, uh, Nova... I think like Nova Prime or something is talking to somebody's talking to like one of the Cree and the Cree's like, it's your problem now. And then like hangs up yeah. on him. That's, that's who I thought the white guy was. I didn't remember if he was blue or not. Oh, that's um, true. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure he was blue. Maybe he was, but yeah, I mean, it's still, you know, it's still, it's, if anything, this, this is showing elements of the inhumans. This is showing elements of Guardians of the galaxy. You know, they, the show can kind of be one big tease. Mm-hmm. for everything that's going to happen in the movies. And I think one thing that could be a result of the falling ratings is that, you know, everyone goes to the movies. Uh, everyone watches TV, sure. But Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of like in that same boat as something like Firefly or Serenity, where, you know, it, it really does care to a certain... Like, this is a show that really would appeal to comic book fans, you know, pop culture fans, sci-fi, you know, whatever fans. Mm-hmm. But um to just like to, 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 to the millions bajillions of people that go to watch these movies for like a two three hour kind of action romp you know mm-hmm. it's all the special effects it's the things that kind of like oh like blinds them but they don't necessarily want to sit down and invest in like a 24 episode you know season because yeah. that gets I mean... con- you know it gets it gets convoluted and it gets caught up in itself and movies don't necessarily movies can do that but so far more movies have proven have proven not to mm-hmm. now how well you don't watch parks and rec never mind I've I've watched up to like season three. Because I was thinking uh, the other day, like how much Guardians of the Galaxy sounds like something Andy would like daydream about, and be like, no, like there was this talking raccoon, and he called himself Rocket. Like there was this big guy who was like green, like looked like David Bautista. You know. Anyway, it happened. Neither here, neither here nor there. Our last story for the evening, as we got our first look at Katie Cassidy as Black Canary uh, in Arrow. So she's already been on the show as uh, Laurel Lance since episode one, and it's always kind of been talked about that she was going to become the Black Canary. Mm -hmm. But the creators have said that you know you can't just have one bad day and you start fighting crime. Like this is a process. And Oliver, mm-hmm. for Oliver Queen, it took years for other, you know, for all these people, like there was something that made them who they are. And for her to become Black Canary, you know, we had to show that transformation. So I really like that they've taken their time mm-hmm. and have not rushed her becoming, uh, becoming Black Canary. And it's going to happen later this season. And it feels at this point, like it feels earned, which you're still not caught up. And I'm upset. I'm, about I'm that. two. I'm sorry. I'm two episodes behind. I, I'll, you're only I'll you're up. only one now. I think. You no, I I watched. No, you haven't the seen secret. The... I watched the secret origin Felicity Smoke, but I haven't seen the one after that, and then I haven't seen. No, that was it. Wait, oh, 
You're right. So I haven't. Yeah. Okay. So I'm only one behind. Yeah, you haven't seen the Ted Grant episode yet. Uh... Yeah, there's some cool stuff about Ted Grant, man. I've actually, I was actually pretty impressed with, uh, with, with what they did with that storyline. Cool. Uh, I'll definitely get to it as quickly as I can. Yeah, and still the greatest trick arrow of all time. That's in that episode? Yes, I want to talk about it, but I also want you to be surprised. <laughs> I'll check it out, I'll I'm check it out. very upset with you right now. I'm, I'll get to it, I'm sorry. Uh, Forgive me. Uh, anyway, I think she looks pretty good as... No, it's a cool look, and it, it's one of those things where I feel like the last couple of seasons of Arrow have been like, Laurel feels like she's almost tacked on, like there isn't a lot for her to do, and that she's just like, just nothing good ever happens to Laurel. Not necessarily directly to her, but just everything around her Sucks. seems to turn to shit. Yeah. So it does seem like, I guess, you know, that they that intentionally or unintentionally, they're now kind of bringing her back around and saying, all right, she's, you know, we, yes, everything around her has been shit. And now she's going to take ownership of that and start punching stuff in the face. Exactly. And she's been training a little bit, you know. it. She is going to be wearing the bright blonde wig. But that's, you know, iconic look for the character. It helps her identity. She yes. is a high-profile legal figure in the city. Yes. Uh, yeah, because a lot of people kind of have that issue where, like, oh, he's just wearing a mask. People are going to know who that is. Clark Kent just takes off his glasses. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's kind of nice for them to go whole, whole hog on it and be like, there's other ways she can hide her identity as well. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that about does it for us, though. We'll we'll get into our recommendations, and then we'll get on out of here. Get it on out. If that, if that works for uh, you folks at home. Works for me. So, who do you want to go first? you want me to go first? Yeah, you, no, I'll uh, go first. You go first. I don't you go first. To do recommendations. Uh, so, I'm going to recommend a book we spoke about earlier in the show. Mentioned, uh, or mentioned, mentioned briefly. briefly. Which is Drifter by... I forgot the writer's name. Oh, God. Uh, Ivan Brandon and um, Nick Klein. Uh, I haven't really re- read anything by Ivan Brandon before. I've read a handful of Captain America issues and um, a couple other odds and end issues by Nick Klein. I think he did a couple of Thor issues as well. Um, I-, I like his art style. So so getting it right out, out of there, um, like the artwork is, the, the mix of the artworks and the colors is just you know very very well done but also the 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 execution of the scenes is really good mm-hmm. um um you know like the, the, the kind of like with not like a direct comparison to frank quietly but just like the way that certain uh scenes lead into the uh, certain panels lead into the next one like there's a scene where the main character is kind of standing like watching something happen the, then you close up on his face and you see some legs run at first you think He's the one running, but then the next panel, you know, it, it shows like a, a bullet wound on his gut, and you realize that it was someone else running, and it's just like those things where like it, it kind of shakes you up so that you're you're kind of disoriented, but it's not, but it's it's still very clear, like it's a very, very um, everything's very designated, but mm-hmm. it's really well done. Uh, anyway, as far as the story goes, it's it it is in many ways a space western, um. But uh, the, the issue I picked up at least had a really cool cover by Cliff Chiang from Wonder Woman fame. Um, but uh, it basically deals with a, a guy named uh, Abram Pollux who crashes on an alien world 
uh, and gets taken and takes refuge in sort of like a, a kind of a, you know little dusty town. Uh, kind of has some you know very westerny tropes um, in it. There's this there's like a preacher um, that everyone just kind of ignores. So I feel like he's going to end up being important later on. Probably. Uh, there's this uh, female medic type. She's kind of like the badass, but she she has like the sort of the red cross in her arm. So I get the vibe that she's she's more of a you know healer type. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's this two page spread that kind of shows the town in a nutshell. And there's like this giant what uh, is like a turbine or an engine or something that's just sitting there. Like basically like this ship just crashed and everyone said, "We'll set up shop here." You know? Yeah. It's the kind of world that no one in their right mind would absolutely want to live on, but a bunch of whatever's you know people do end up there. Um, I don't want to get too much in the story. I feel like it's a story that you know, if I just explained it, it, might seem like it's your typical kind of western. Like there's a mystery going on. He doesn't really know why he's there. There's a really interesting thing where when I get to the, the when you get to the end of the issue, you flip you immediately are like, wait a second, and flip back to the front to try and figure out oh. what that means. Huh. Um, I like stuff Cause, like that. Because the, his ship crashes, and then it shows him trying to get free of, like, wires and cables in the in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the image of a ship crashing, it could be crashing anywhere. Like, there's some rocks, but he could still be crashing in the ocean. And then you get to the end of the issue, and it kind of throws all of that into, oh, we actually, now that I'm looking closely, there is ocean in the background. Yeah, well, pfft. But this, but, 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 but. There's still a line of dialogue that flips it all on its head. That there's definitely something out of whack here. Hmm. Um, and as far as first issue goes, you know, first issues are really hard. We've explained that before with books like Roche Limit. And um, I definitely got more engaged in this book than I did with Roche Limit. But I still want, like I said, I still want to give that book a try. You mm-hmm. know, for you know, you know, give it a few more issues to kind of develop itself. This book seems to me a, a bit more fully developed within the first issue, but it's still that kind of thing where. I could have gone either way, you know, like I, I would, but I, I, there's something about it and it could be the writing, it could be the art, the content of the story, but I definitely want to keep reading it. Hmm. And, uh, I recommend people to check it out because I mean, basically if you pick up the, if you look at the back of the book, like I told you to do at the shop, mm-hmm. the, the barcode basically lifts off the page. It's a really cool aesthetic look. And, uh, that's kind of, you know, I kind of knew the book was coming up, but when I saw that on the shelf, I was like, I think I'll put my hard-earned money down on this, and you were not, you're not disappointed by doing so. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bare minimum, I am not disappointed, and I don't <laughs> think anyone else will be too if they pick it up. Very cool, very cool. I'm sure I'll. I mean, maybe I'll get into that uh, in the future, a few issues down the line. Works for me. Now I wonder uh, if you can guess what I'm going to recommend. I don't know. All right. Well, I've you know I've kind of been texting you about it, which is why I say it. So I have been uh, for the last week. I really, really wanted to play, you know, a, a video game. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to play a video game, and I'm like, I couldn't really find anything in the ones that I owned that was particularly grabbing me. And then I remembered during the Steam Summer Sale, I picked up The Wolf Among Us, uh, all of season one. So mm-hmm. I hopped on the Steam and started playing The Wolf Among Us. And for the past couple days, like all of my free time, I have been like just pouring into this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for those who do not know what The Wolf Among Us is, it is a, a game, sort of a point-and-click adventure game 
based in the world of Fables, which is a long-running, soon-to-be-ending, actually, uh, comic that takes place in our world, which is referred to as the mundane world by all of the Fables, who are these storybook creatures or legendary creatures who lived in a, in a world separate from ours that has been slowly overtaken by somebody called the Adversary. And so they've come to our world. And within the comic books, it's about them sort of starting to fight back mm-hmm. uh, and, and learn a really like the truth about their enemy and what they're up against. This story takes place in uh, the, the 80s, the 1980s. So it is well before the comic book series. Uh, it is, you know, long after the Fables community is established. And uh, you play as Bigby Wolf or the Big Bad Wolf, who is the town sheriff. And you're going around trying to figure out uh, this murder mystery, who killed this girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so what you do is you go to these different locations, you have conversations, you're picking out what uh bigby says which uh which will then as the game goes on cause people to react to you in different ways um so you could say something that somebody will remember because you know it was like you were you were used words of affirmation on them like you you know you're like hey you did a good job they're gonna remember that so later on they're gonna be really willing to help you uh like when i was playing through um you're talking to uh, Mr. Toad, who is you know an anthropomorphic talking toad, mm-hmm. um, and he's like lying to you, obviously. And the way that I'm playing it, like Bigby's getting really angry, and you have the action, you have the option to like grab him or hit him, or you could do nothing. But like I was kind of getting frustrated, so I had him grab him. I didn't have him hit him, but just like having him grab him. And at that moment, his son walked in, and uh, you know his son became afraid of Bigby. So later on when you're trying when you know the son's trying to tell you some information anything big b says like the kid reacts very negative towards and mm-hmm. will kind of like draw away and is very hesitant to give any information hmm. so it's really cool like everything is is pretty linear um but the way that it happens is is nuanced and one thing that i really love about this game i mean i love a lot about this game. The the aesthetic is great. Uh, the voice acting is good. It's not exactly how I imagined Big B to sound. I imagined him to have sort of a deeper, gravular voice, gravelier mm-hmm. voice uh, than this guy. But it works. It's fine. Um, I really kind of lost my train of thought. Uh, really, <laughs> like I said, I really enjoy the. Uh, oh, so what's really great about this? I've played the Walking Dead game, but the Walking Dead game didn't grab me. It's by the same company. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same same style of gameplay mm-hmm. and i think one of the biggest faults in there that didn't do it for me is just like these you know it's it's the same as the beginning of the walking dead there's zombies we're wandering around trying to survive we're going to team up with some people some of them die yada 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 uh and there's like the little girl in the story who you kind of connect with and that's all good and dandy but something about these relationships in fables they already feel formed and nuanced and you know it feels like bigby has connections with these characters even if you're just seeing them for the first time mm-hmm. there's um, a history there yeah there, there definitely is like a history there and so it's it's layered and and i really like that you get to to pick the kind of person that bigby is uh, like i really want to do a run through where he's nothing like he all of his responses are just silence 
Like, because you can do that. You can not say anything. Um, where he's just like a mute psychopath. So he just like doesn't say anything. But every time he gets in a fight or something, I just choose like the most violent options. Like at one point you could have ripped a guy's arm off and all that. Because um, I just think it'd be really interesting to see how the game plays out, you know, mm-hmm. to, to that kind of big B. Uh, how people react to that. Anyway, if you're a big fan of Fables, then definitely get this game. Uh, it adds a lot to the Fables world. It expands on the Fables mythology and introduces some new characters we hadn't seen. Also kind of fills in some backstory that's talked about in the comics. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much Bill Willingham was really involved uh, with the game. Uh, I don't think really at all. But you know, it, it has a stamp of approval. Like All this stuff appears to be canon. And uh, if you if you're not really into fables, but you you know really like interesting games or you like good detective stories, then check this out. It's definitely a good time. The Wolf Among Us. You can find it on Steam. I'm sure you can find it on like PlayStation Network and uh, Xbox, all that jazz. Uh, check it out. Cool. And that is going to do it for us. You can find out more about us over at heckyacomics.com, Twitter at heckyacomics, email us heckyacomics at gmail.com with just about anything, uh, except for your life problems. We don't care about those. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at DavLuz, and you can find Nick crash landing onto a desert planet that doesn't have oceans but wait it totally does he was wrong the entire time (laughs) Uh, oh that was good remember folks if you enjoyed the show then please tell your friends and if you hated it then please tell your enemies until next week goodbye toodles Worst episode ever.